Yeah, you're going to be doing it for months. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and figure it out. Figure it out, Weather. Can we just be 25 and sunny instead of negative 50 and then 40? These are the sorts of things that make me wonder what life must be like for someone that doesn't have a dog. As I'm cleaning up muddy paw prints off of my kitchen floor this afternoon. But here I am bitching about a warm day. <laughs> well, you could be like a lot of Iowans with a lot of land that uh, just uh, they leave their dog outside. I can't do that. Why? Because it's like, all right, so we have farm cats, but they're not yeah. really cats. They get to live in a heated garage. Okay. I, I feel bad for the animals when they give me the sad eyes outside the sliding door. And so I know that if I had an outside dog, because Allison wants us to have an outside dog for our next dog if we get one. Okay. If I had an outside dog, it's going to end up being an inside dog. I just know it because every time I'll come home from work or every time I go to sit outside in the, uh, in the lawn chair or something, I'll be hanging out with this dog. And then I'll go inside and feel guilty as it's just sitting there crying about it. Mm, there's your brown. Yeah. Oh. You got to just let them know, yo, dude, I'm in here. You're not. Like, <laughs> you're out there. That's where you live. Yeah, but they just they spend their whole day waiting for you. That's because you let them in once. No, but they it, spend. Their, it, but but the outside dog, they're spending their whole day waiting for you to come outside so you can finally give them that attention they've been wanting. Well, you, yeah, that's why you go outside every once in a while. I mean, in the spring, you go outside to say hi, what's up? Maybe for 10 winter, minutes. And then in the whole winter, you only go outside just to feed them and make sure they're still alive. Yeah, they're an outside <laughs> dog. You can't do that. They're an outside dog. <laughs> they keep the coyotes away. That's what they're there for. Nah, I'm too much of a pushover. What kind of dog would be your outside dog? Like a St. Bernard? Or... I have never had a dog growing up. My family, that I, my parents raised me up to understand the value of being able to leave on the weekend. Sorry. not have to worry about taking care of a pet. So the, the... Well, that's the good part about an outside dog because then they're outside and you just go, all right, we'll fill your food bowl up a lot. Bye. Yeah, so Allison's family always, they they had an English Springer Spaniel when we started dating, and that's what, we have two Springer Spaniels now, and I do like the breed. They're a good size, and they're a good temperament. But, yeah, I know, I, I just know that I'm going to end up with an inside dog if I sign myself up for an outside dog. What does Allison think about that? She thinks that, we should just get well she's starting to come around to the idea of so our our we have two dogs now and sage is gonna be 14 mm -hmm. this my my uh my family thinks sage is a boy because named after sage rosenfels but she wasn't actually named after sage rosenfels and she's a girl but mm -hmm. uh, she's she's getting close to the finish line and uh <laughs> and so I'm thinking, Isaiah, come here. 
Come here, Sage. Come here. Come here. She can't hear you. She can't hear you. No, here. Come here. <laughs> but uh, so I, I think for the longest time she was thinking we'd have we'd have a second dog after Sage passes away. And now she's getting on board with the idea of maybe let's just try out this one dog thing again. And then maybe when Hank gets old, maybe we still just stick with Hank. He's six. Stick with him. And and then maybe we'll just dabble into having no dogs for a little bit and see what we think. I love dogs. Mm -hmm. I just, when we go to the Iowa, when we go to the Iowa state game all day, I have to, I have to sort out how I'm going to take care of them. Uh-huh. And yeah, we'll have an in, indoor outdoor kennel set up and stuff for them and all that stuff. But I want to go on vacation for a week. Now I got to worry about the toddler that never grows up. Outdoor dog. Yeah, I know. The thing that you don't want to do, and <laughs> this is going to sound pretty controversial because I actually so I support it. <laughs> I yeah, yeah, that's what a setup that is. I support this, but like as for you personally with where you are in life, don't foster. It will come through your mind. No. <laughs> like, you know, oh, foster a dog. What a nice thing, a charitable thing to do. I definitely recommend it. Especially I recommend it especially if you're an older person because it gives you some companionship and helps helps you do social good, but the problem right. with the problem with those uh <laughs> my aunt does my aunt fosters mm-hmm. how many dogs at a time does she foster oh well I, I i take that back she doesn't foster okay um she she uh when she gets has been getting her dogs over the years from mm. shelter and not from breeders oh oh yeah that's totally and, and and she and she looks for the older dogs yeah. Who would yeah. be the less desirables? Uh, you know, face it. People want people want the puppies. Mm-hmm. I this is gonna sound mean too. <laughs> Just go for it. When, Come on. When when you have a when you have an adult dog who's been dumped off and you bring that dog in it's a lot harder to train that dog to be obedient like you want. Well, well, the thing about this, cause I've only gotten shelter dogs and shelter cats. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I, I won't get a puppy. I don't, I don't have the patience to train something. I, I want them to come in and know, Hey, you don't piss on the carpet. You don't <laughs> piss on the floor. So you find a dog that's already potty trained. You find a dog that's already knows how to sit and stay and whatever you want. And if it doesn't, then just go, all right, well, you find another one then. All right. That's a good thing because you, you get these dogs that people leave behind because they move to wherever. You're you, like, okay, I'll take that dog. You just might happen to end up with a dog who is potty trained but also hates men because the previous owner was a man that beat it. Well, you just find a dog that fits what you're looking for, and you just don't take it home unless you're like, is this going to bite me in the night? Is this going to stare at me all night, hate my guts? And then one day when I'm half asleep trying to go to work in the middle of the night, well, when it's dark outside, is this dog going to trip me down the stairs? Am I going to break my fucking neck? But the thing about the fostering, 
and I fully support fostering, but here's why it wouldn't work for yeah. Kevin Bean. You have a big yard. You yeah. have you have a pretty big house. And you have a big barn thing too. So like fostering, they'll be like, here, here's a dog. You'll take care of it until somebody comes and adopts it. Cause that's what fostering is. It's basically right. like human fostering. But you know, they'll be like, here, foster this dog. And you'll be like, oh, cool. Oh, great. We're, we're getting this dog, buddy. Cool. I'm doing a good thing. But then another dog will come up and they'll be like, hey, can you take this dog too? And you'll be like, you know, yeah, we could probably take another dog. Let's take another dog. And then they got you. And they're going to bring like five dogs over to your house. And they're going to be like, we need somewhere to put them. And you're going to be like, I can't say no. Okay. <laughs> and then eventually you're going to have seven dogs running around your house where you're like, I can't even keep them straight. You heard me saying that I couldn't keep an outside dog as an outside dog <laughs> so yeah I, I would totally fall prey to that pressure you would wake up and you would get your you'd get your head off the pillow and you'd have like 10 pairs of eyes just staring at you like daddy is food here right. i'm the starving dog from the shelter that was not loved and then you brought me into your house yeah, you're you, the you, one that has to take care of me you, you hear about people going to work just so that they can keep the insurance money going Knowing they're not making a dime, they're just getting their company insurance for another for another year. Mm -hmm. I'd be the guy yep. doing that just for the feed bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, we could get into that conversation about how this whole country's just backwards, where people are literally going to work just so that they can have the health care and daycare. I mean. <laughs> We'll save that Somebody, for another day. Somebody's driving to work right now and just punched their car. They're like, damn it, that's me. Yeah, we finally we finally kicked the daycare deal and that was pretty nice. Wait, you're not you're not your kids aren't going to daycare anymore? No. Uh I've got the school buses lined up to drop the girls off at my work. Oh. And so by the time they're done doing their they get dropped off on the bus route a couple of blocks away from my office. It's like mm -hmm. a half hour before the office closes. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And so you got some colors and some toys and they play tag in the warehouse and, mm -hmm. and <laughs> then the employees are gone and, and all's well, they can run wild. <laughs> oh man. Anyway. So. So how about sports wanna... related? <laughs> so let's, let's talk about some sports. But I kind of wanted to do a little bit of ex an exercise because, mm. yeah, it's something fun. Okay. So I want to kind of give you some background here. And you can interrupt me if you want me to, if you want to say something. Don't worry about it. Oh, I will. So, so please, please interrupt me. So I want to tell you a story about a man who has been on top of my mind for, you know, a couple of weeks now. This person, they were born in Colorado, but early on in their life, they moved to Bakersfield, California. The family moved to Bakersfield, California. Mm -hmm. This person was a standout lineman at their high school, but they didn't quite academically qualify for 
the division one programs. So there, there's a lot of questions about, you know, the academics, not really about the character, but just the academics. And, you know, if, if this person was going to be able to be successful at the next level and academically qualify for each semester and whatnot. So this person didn't end up getting any offers and they had to go the JUCO route. Sure. So now the person, this person was trying to find the, the community college that they wanted to go to. They could have gone to several community colleges in the Los Angeles area, the Bakersfield, Los Angeles area. But they decided that they needed kind of a different environment, different chains of pace so that they could turn their life around, get good grades, do whatever. So they decided to go north and go to the San Francisco area and attend the City College of San Francisco, which is a JUCO Mm -hmm. in San Francisco. It's a really good JUCO. Um, Do you know anything about living in San Francisco, Kevin? No, I've never been. You've never been well. I hear the sourdough is to die for. The sourdough is to die for. They also got a pretty good chocolate at the Ghirardelli factory. But I mean, you you probably know what's famous about San Francisco. Um, do you know how much it costs to live there? Um, more than what a community college student probably can afford. More than what? A, yes, absolutely. To put it in perspective. If you want to live an hour outside of the city in a studio apartment, like I'm talking on the Oakland side of the bay, not really Oakland, Oakland, but on the Oakland side of the bay, on that side of the, uh, mm-hmm. the Golden Gate Bridge, is going to run you probably $2,500. <laughs> on that side, an hour away from wherever in the city, it's probably going to run you $2,500 for a studio apartment. I'm talking about 600 square foot apartment, which is ridiculous. I mean, you it, here here in Des Moines, you'll probably pay. I mean, a nice apartment, you probably pay a thousand dollars in Des Moines studio apartment that far away. I mean, you're lucky if you're paying twenty five hundred. You might be spending north of three grand for a studio near Oakland. You're not going to – most community college kids, no education and no job, are not going to spend three grand a month <laughs> on an apartment. No. That's an hour away from their school. So where do you think this person lived? I, I don't know. In, 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 a, in a van? I don't know. It's similar to a van. It's actually where you put vans. This person that I'm talking about, while they attended uh, City College uh, of San Francisco, lived 45 minutes away with his buddy in a garage. Sure. Tur- turn the garage into a into mm-hmm. an apartment. Turn that garage into an apartment. He found a listing, and they thought, you know what? This is all what we can afford. We're going to split this. We're both going to live in a garage. They had a TV a fridge and a microwave. They showered and ate most of their meals at the school. When they weren't in class, they were either in the weight room working out twice a day or they were lift, or they were in the film room and they had a strict bedtime of 10 p.m. 
Now, when this now when this guy, he had a very good career at City College of San Francisco. And if you have a guess on who this is, please, please I guess. Have, I don't have a clue. You have no clue. All right, tell me when. Tell me when you have a guess. This person was really good offensive lineman at City College of San Francisco. Was a four star, top thirty recruit for in the JUCO ranks. And back then, when he was he was in, when he was in JUCO, these JUCOs did not get offers to every single school in the country like they do now. Now they're kind of viewed as you know transfer players on that caliber. Back then, like these guys, unless you were like a top five player, they didn't really get the plethora of offers that they get now. Mm-hmm. He got off an offer to Washington, an offer to Arizona State, and an offer to Oregon as a four-star recruit. Ended up picking Oregon, played three seasons at, at Oregon. His first season was the national championship game um, against Cam Newton. And then he played on the Rose Bowl winning team and the Fiesta Bowl winning team that beat Kansas State. After college, he had some workouts with the Bays, the Bays teams, the Green Bay and the and Tampa Bay. <laughs> Unfortunately, he did not make either of the teams. Things happen, whatever. He ended up going back to Bakersfield to coach the offensive line and help the team, and they won a state championship. After he did that, he went to Ventura College. Let me know if you have a guess by now. He went to Ventura College where – he was the offensive coordinator and offensive line coach. And for those, for the four years that he was there, he broke several school records in rushing, passing, passing touchdowns, rushing touchdowns, you name it. He broke those records. And over the four years he was there, 19 of the 20 starting offensive linemen earned all conference selections. So only one guy, in one year, did not get all conference. <laughs> Feel bad for that guy. <laughs> with four, with four of those guys earning all American selections at that level, I don't know what level Ventura College is, but if you're an all American guy, you're an all American guy. After I'm... that, he went to be the offensive line coach at yeah. UNI. Yep, that's. <laughs> I was just As about he, to ask if you're telling me that that our, our new offensive line coach used to live in a garage. I'm I'm saying this, Kevin. I'm saying this right now. We need to get those big old hosses in garages. Daryl Simmons is going to live in a garage this year. <laughs> God, don't put him in that. <laughs> we need to learn, teach them a thing about determination. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. Ryan Clanton, who has put two guys in the NFL at UNI, both of them are starting right now. One of them was a first-round guy. The other guy was a third-rounder. Like, you're telling me that that guy used to live in a garage? We got to put these guys in a garage. I mean, that is determination right now, right there. I couldn't get my head wrapped. I I already know without asking – there wasn't a bathroom in that garage. No, hell no. 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 Oh. They I'm telling you, they probably what they probably and this is me totally guessing. They 
they're probably allowed inside to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Or they probably just pissed outside, to be right. honest. I can appreciate that. I'm just thinking when there's an emergency. I mean, you think about how hot it would get in there. No. In San Francisco, in San Francisco, it's not very hot. You you've ever been in a garage? Yeah, but when you, it's sunny and seventy. But have you ever seen on HGTV when they show those house remodels and they do those bro sli- those sliding doors that just wide open, ten foot wide? Well, an yeah. overhead door does that for you. Just swing that baby open, and just like that, you oh. <laughs> here's what i like you brought the outdoors story. in here's what i like about this story the most and I, and thank you for your service to every single person who's been a part of the iowa state program we were rooting for you while you were here but let's be honest this guy has no connection to matt campbell other than his determination got him to where he is today and matt campbell looked at him and went damn that's a good coach yeah if you go from being a Juco guy living in a garage to having as many good offensive line guys as he, as he has, I mean, 19 out of 20 guys getting all conference when you're only there for four years. I mean, that's every single guy. Every single guy got an award except or all conference except one. I mean, think, think about if our linemen over the next four years, if, if our linemen get all conference except for maybe one guy. Mm-hmm. For the next four years, I mean, we would be going to, we'd be going to the playoff, no matter what. We'd be going especially to Dallas. Expanded, I know that much. Yeah, yeah, especially the expanded playoff, we'd definitely be going. Son of a bitch. Well, and and that's the thing that's been getting me excited. I've been busy with work, and we've got about a billion Christmases that we celebrate between yeah. our two yeah. families. But if we hadn't made changes in offensive line. And now after the fact, thinking about strength and conditioning, uh, sure. Eventually I'd get around to being excited again about, Hey, they're going to, they're going to do the job and make some, make some adjustments during the off season. And we'll be right back to fight. Now I'm, I'm right back on the bandwagon because I know how much talent we have on our team. And if you can tell me that we can get a little more out of that line play, Mm-hmm. To make life easier for all of these skill players. And Hunter Deckers, you've seen his talent. Mm-hmm. It's oh, there. Oh, and, and all these single these single digit losses that we had this year. It comes down to line play and how garbage they were. You were that we were that close on a what we would consider a dumpster fire season. We were that close. To having a, a, a title contending team. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember, I, I was I was kind of laughing to myself the other night, thinking back, oh, what would it have been? 10 in the morning leading up to that Baylor game. Here we are, 3-0, and joking about how we're going to go down to make the road trip to Lawrence, Kansas, to see us go 5-0. and Mm-hmm. And then uh, a number of woulda, shoulda, couldas later, and here we are. But it starts with a guy like this. 
I hope like hell. It, I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what kind of guys he gets coming in these upcoming recruiting classes. Oh yeah, oh, I'm no. really he, excited to see what he does to mold the staff or not staff the players that we already have. Mm-hmm. He, he, I just, I, I'm blindly optimistic that he's going to be making men out of these guys. Oh, I'm, I'm so blindly optimistic. I'm so dumb. Where I'm just like, this guy's gonna be the greatest ever because his track record shows. Yeah, it, it's he did it at you and I. And he did it at and, you and, and I. And you and, and I did it. Ventura. And and you and I did it to us. You and you and I was one of the best offensive lines that we played every season. They yeah. didn't have the crazy hog molly lines that like Oklahoma has, where every fucking guy is just a murderer. Sure. They, but every they had one guy who could maul you, and then a bunch of really consistent dudes who you weren't going to do anything against. But but you you know part of why I like that, because when you think of Iowa State in the hierarchy of who's going to be getting the five star frame and athletic ability guys, we're we're going to be on the lower end of that anyways. So if mm-hmm. you're telling me that you're going to bring in a guy who's used to having to work with an undersized group perfect mm-hmm. perfect and, so go, and we... go against north dakota state and south dakota state and actually yeah. good programs yes yeah so now let's let's rinse and repeat only at the next rung up beat some mass beat some this, ass. i mean this is why i'm excited too because a lot of the times you saw us with Rhodes, you saw it and you'd be like, really, is that the best guy that we can get? I mean, right now, let's yeah. look at Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell's the best head coach that we can get. And I'm, I'm t- talking about, you know, retrospective in five years, are we going to go back and look and see if these coaches are the best ones we can get? Because that's, no, I'm doing it in the, few, in the present right now. Are we picking the right guy for the job? that when we have all of it laid out in front of us, we can't tell the future. Nate Shieldhouse is the best guy for the job. If we didn't put him in that position, we've been saying for years that he's an offensive coordinator at this level. We've been saying for years that he's a head coach in the future and the head coach in the making. If you're going to, if you're going to say that you got to stand by your words. And when the time comes, you got to promote him to offensive coordinator or else he's going to leave. Yeah. Because he hears you saying that, and, and he'll think, oh, that's just lip service. They're never going to promote me. And he'd go off to be somewhere else. But he was the right guy to hire, and we did it. I hope we get him for a couple of years because, you know what, if he does well, he might leave. That's fine. Yeah. It, I mean, if it, he can bring us the ti- – getting us on some title runs, I don't care. We'll figure – next man up. Yeah. Ryan Clanton is the best offensive line coach that we possibly could have hired. If you hired anybody else and you didn't even interview Ryan Clanton, there should be a, there would be a lot of people wondering, well, what about the fucking UNI guy? Yeah. No, but we went out and we hired him. Taylor Mouser is the best tight end coach that we possibly could get. Is he a super experienced tight end coach? No, he's only like 30. And he hasn't been coached for very long, but he's definitely the best recruiter of out of any tight end coach we possibly could get by far. He is by far the best recruiter of any tight end coach that we could possibly get. And he's a damn good coach as well. Clanton, uh, 
did Clinton do a lot of his own recruiting? Yes, he he he. So and you gained all, about, you gained already then because yes. uh, from what I understood, uh, Manning didn't do hardly any recruiting of his own. Manning did not do much recruiting. Myers he tried to recruit. I don't think he was at the caliber that a guy like Ryan Clanton will be, and Mauser and Shieldhouse are. So. So just by having just by having those boots on the streets, you should be gaining right there. Mm-hmm. And wh- when Clanton was there, he only recruited Iowa and Wisconsin and the other schools around here. And he did that purposely. He did that because if he goes down to Texas and he tries to recruit a guy from Texas and the guy gives him the lip service, oh, yeah, of course I'll come here. And then a team like North Texas offers him, which is a division uh, or FBS school. That yep. kid's just gonna go to North Texas. No, he's and, not gonna go. And to I want it, And I want him to keep. I want him to keep the the Upper Midwest as his stuff. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, no. We're we're definitely gonna be going after the Minnesota guys and the Nebraska guys and all that. Mm-hmm. Definitely, it makes it difficult now that we have now that we have Matt Rule and Luke Fickle and all these guys in the region still with Kirk Ferentz and the Brett Bielema. It makes it difficult, but. I think that we have opportunities because I think that PJ Fleck is kind of being figured out up there, and uh, uh, Eli <laughs> Drinkowitz is a Eli Drinkowitz is a lame duck. So, I forgot about Bielema being at Illinois. Yeah, that makes it way harder. <laughs> I liked him better when he was at Arkansas. I liked him better when he was out of our area. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Why'd you? Have, but you can't have it all. But now fickle fickle at Wisconsin rather than Cincinnati sounds good. Oh yeah. Oh, for recruiting it makes it difficult. But for in conference play, absolutely. I think, man, I we could talk about that. Like I think Cincinnati. Oh boy, they're they're gonna be on a downward spiral here. I, I think Scott Satterfield, their new head coach, That's he was at he was just at Louisville. And he just decided to jump ship because he saw the writing on the wall. Louisville wanted to fire him. Yeah. Why are you hiring a coach that another Division One school wants to fire? No, I, now I may sound like a broken record, and I'm not trying to trying to necessarily, but you need to slap these fools around when they join. Oh, yeah. You need to kick them while yeah, yeah. You need to kick them in the mud. Don't let them get a foothold. Just thank you for your contribution. UCF, I'm talking to you. Yeah, I mean these. This is not. This is not TCU, and this yeah. is not West Virginia. West Virginia was playing in Orange Bowls for a lot of the time. TCU had won. Uh, excuse me. They won Rose Bowls before. They beat Boise in the Rose Bowl. Like they, 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 they were teams that were like, yeah, they probably should be in a Power Five. Yep. The the longer. And- the longer a UCF fan continues to have a Florida State Seminole jersey in their closet, yeah, the better off for us. Or or a Florida jersey because they're pretty close to each other too. Gainesville and Orlando are yeah. pretty close. Yeah. The, the longer that they go, you know what? Yeah, maybe I'll root for the Gators this yeah. season. Now, now once we're perennially at the top of the heap, then they can get better. That's fine. Yeah. I'm just trying yeah. to develop hierarchy in my best interest. That's all. 
we just need to beat those teams. I mean, BYU, they're pretty good too. But we need to beat those teams. We need to beat down Houston, not give them a foothold. We need to beat the teams like Texas Tech. We need to beat West Virginia. We need to keep those teams down in the gutter, feeling like they made a bad decision. And I think we can do that with our offensive line coach. I really think, like, (laughs) I know you think this too. I really think that that totally changes everything. Yeah. I mean, that was was – the glaring weakness out of the whole team. And I didn't think that it was necessarily talent related. And so I mean, we're, we're, we're trying something new. Maybe it won't work. Who knows? But, but at least here I, I can, when, when you do your game by game prediction thing again, next summer for me, I'll probably have us barely losing any games again. Cause I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I'll probably have us going eight and four because you can't go from four and well, I guess you can. TCU showing yes, you can. Fuck yeah! Having you, you go four and eight to undefeated—that's that's pretty. Send me to Dallas. That's a pretty big jump. I'd <laughs> love to. I'd love to compete for Dallas while we're in the month of November. Definitely. Um, yeah, that's kind of the goal. Compete for Dallas while we're in the month of November and go to a decent bowl game. You know that that's out of all out of everything that that was what I really missed this year. I. I haven't watched a single bowl game until last night. I tried to watch the Kansas bowl game. Mm-hmm. I flipped it off evidently right before it started getting good. Yeah. It was looking like a bloodbath for a bit. They were shooting themselves in the foot more than they could help. But this season, I didn't watch much football around the country like I normally do because I was just exhausted by the season. Oh. <sighs> And, and yeah, you're you're exactly right. Get me to the month of November, sniffing a chance, and and I'll be soaking all of it in. Then, like, if we lose to Oklahoma, all right. If we lose to Texas T- or TCU again, but close, fine. Just can we beat Kansas? Can we beat the teams that we're supposed to beat? Are we a respectable program? I mean, like, come on, man. I think that, like, every single position that we have right now, all these coaches, I think, are the right guys. Tyson Vite's mm-hmm. the right guy. John Haycock's the right guy. Rashid's the right guy. We're getting – I think that uh, Dion Broomfield's the right guy. He's a really good recruiter. Um, the guy that we're hiring for cornerbacks coach, yeah. Jonathan Langs, I think he's a really, really good guy. Really good guy. He, uh, he was a head coach of an NAIA program. Really good program. I think they went like eleven and two this year, and then he decided to come and be a cornerbacks coach for us. He was a, he was a defensive backs coach for everywhere else that he coached for. But this he's a really good hire. He's going to be a good recruiter in like Michigan and around that area. About how old is he? Thirty two or something. Like a younger guy too. I I wonder if he's if he's thinking that he can get some years with Hecock and. And yeah, see where his career can go too. Yeah, yeah. I, I, he's probably trying to get into the the Division One FBS level. Just get your foot in the door, and if you do a good job, you can get promoted and get bigger jobs, which is and, totally and, what we want. And, and if you're if you're going to be a, a a defensive backs coach in a John Heacock cloud system, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that for right for putting yourself in a position to show your strengths. 
Right. And I here's the thing. Like, I've heard other pundits and kind of stuff like that, media people say, like, oh, I wanted an old coach to be the lineman coach. I was like, are you kidding me? I know who you're talking about there. Well, yeah. well here's the... – <laughs> anyway, I'm just, be... just disagreeing, even though I understand where it was coming from. I'm just disagreeing because I'm like, okay. I think he's so said let's... the same. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, say that, let's say it's 6 in the morning. And you just lost to Iowa, okay? Mm-hmm. Just it's Sunday morning, six in the morning. You just lost to Iowa. Terrible. It's an absolutely awful day. And you're an offensive coach. Let's say you're whoever the hell they hire for the wide receivers or running backs, or you're one of those new coaches, and you're a younger guy. You see Taylor Mauser come in. He's in his early thirties. You see Nate Shieldhouse come in. He's in his early thirties. You see Jake Waters, who's been rumored to have a job. He's in his, like, late 20s. Mm-hmm. You're in your early 30s. You have Matt Campbell coming in, too. He's in his early 40s. And then you have this 60-year-old lumbering dude come in and uh, who's been around the block for 40 years. That guy just doesn't fit in that room. You know, except that he's probably our best coach. Is he? No, I'm not talking about John Hancock. I'm not talking about John. Hancock. I'm talking about if we were to hire a oh, old, okay. an older offensive line coach who's brand new and kind of th- he's been around the block for a long time. <laughs> it sounds it sounds more like you're leading up to John Hancock. I'm like, no, 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 no. So, see, John Hancock. He's earned – I mean, he's known these guys for years. He's known all these guys for years. So it's different. You have the same connection and rapport with each other. You have that relationship with each other. I'm talking about a guy who nobody really knew before the season, yeah. 60 years old. You don't know how this guy's going to act in the meeting room. Yeah. No, I I, I hear what you're, what you're saying. It's I just think there, a I think there's weird an advantage. demographic. Yeah, I think there's an advantage to um, – I mean, you can't you can't replace experience, but there's also an advantage to being able to relate more with yeah with the players. I mean, cause when when I'm at work and I'm like talking to people, like I, I'm I'm pretty easygoing. I'm talking to everybody. I relate a lot more to the guy who's 30 years old than the guy who's 60 and has kids my age. Yeah, because I'm like, and and then they go, "Oh, well, you just haven't seen life yet, bud." It's like, okay. Now they have a lot of experience, but is good experience? Did they solve the issues? How did they make the offensive line so good? I think that Ryan Clant will fit in a lot better because he's the same age as a guy like Taylor Mauser and uh, Nate Shieldhouse. I think he'll fit in a lot better because mm-hmm. he's about at the same stage of his life, of his career progression. It totally fits better. Yeah, I, I, I think what he was getting at when he was talking about the older person wasn't necessarily age specifically. It was more. Sure. It was more. Have you have you been through the rungs? Are you confident in your own abilities so that you stand up for something that you might believe in rather than be swayed by what uh, Campbell and the other mm-hmm. staff is going? Oh, I understand. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think, I think the that thing might is, be some of it. The thing is, and I'm not going to spend too long, much longer on this point. We've sure. seen that before where we've brought in guys that are older and like that, and they have not gelled with this staff. They did not work. And you can tell by the guys who've only been here for a year and then they took another job or they, or they left. There's yeah. been a couple of guys like that. Yeah. And no, I'm, I'm excited about these shifts. I'm, I'm excited to see what changes in our offensive play scheme comes out of this too. <laughs> uh, running the ball for positive yards. <laughs> well, uh, uh, are are is she, do you think do you think Shieldhouse is gonna send that quarterback more often? Or you do mean you running? He, yeah, running. Ooh, um, Decker that, should be able to take a blow or two. I think it will be a better play than just a quarterback sweep. Good God! I mean, some of those quarterback runs that we had were just terrible play designs. It's like that ain't gonna work. You're sending your quarterback on a sweep. No, I think that I think that we'll see a lot more option. I mean, it's not gonna be like every play is gonna be Pat White and Steve Slayton and NCAA. No, but but I've wondered I've wondered about that a little bit. Um, so I don't know much about how JJ Cole performs as a runner, but do you think? I'm I'm, I'm 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 thinking I'm thinking of the of the Rocco Beck versus JJ Cole matchup that will be coming, and and without seeing a single Shieldhouse play called yet, yeah. yeah, I know. You start wondering is is Beck more of his guy? I don't. I'll care. say this: neither of them are going to be very explosive with their legs. You don't think so? Okay, no. I assumed that. Beck- I think that both of them, both of them, can make plays with their legs, but they're they're not going to be the guys who you're. They're not hundred deckers. They're not going to be breaking twenty yard runs. They're not going to. I mean, they're going to be. They're going to be a lot like Purdy is in the NFL. Sure. You know, getting out of the pocket, scampering for a first down, getting the first down, running out of bounds. Yeah, throwing it on a rope forty yards in the end zone. Yeah. I mean, just slinging it. I think, yeah, that's going to be a really interesting quarterback battle. We'll deal with that next year. I can't do a quarterback battle like that right now. But I, neither of them are going to be, you know, your electric running running quarterbacks. We're really only going to see that with. I don't know. Yeah, for some reason, I had it in my head that Rocco was was a runner too, but I. I don't know what the hell I got. He ran. He ran a little bit in high school. Maybe it's just because he's, uh, he's shorter. It had me thinking that he must have been. No, no, he's 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 definitely your pocket passer type of dude. He can move around a little bit, but he's he's definitely much more of a pocket passer. Well, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh, hey, I could. Hey. I could talk for three hours about our offensive line coach and how excited I am because he's going to max, he's going to maximize these guys' potential instead of see guys regress that we have seen in the past few years. Right. Speaking of um, bowl games that we're not a part of. Yeah. Saturday's sugar bowl. Are you rooting for Kansas state or are you rooting for Alabama? Are you fucking crazy? 
Of course I'm rooting for Alabama. I I actually I think I'm hedging Kansas State. No. But but but, but hear me out. It's a win-win scenario for me. I it is well, I'll give you that. We get more money if they win, you know. Uh, I mean, if if Kansas State beats Alabama, I get to enjoy listening to the whole, all of the SEC meltdown stuff. And if Alabama beats Kansas State, well, I do get to listen to everybody laughing at Kansas State for a little bit. No, we don't want Kansas State to we don't want them to do that. I just we don't with them winning the fucking championship is bad enough. I have, I, I hear you. I hear you. And, it, it, and, I'm and not it, just talking about talking on Twitter. I don't, I could care less about Twitter. No, no, I, I know what you're, you're talking about program benefits. I'm talking about program benefits, recruiting the same guys that we're recruiting. Mm-hmm. And they can go, hey, we, we won the Big 12. You shouldn't go there. We won the Big 12. We beat Bama. I'm just, it, I've still got that bitter ex-wife about the sec and the espn marriage thing where and and i know that alabama is the poster child of everything that i hate that and it's not their fault it's not their fault they're just the better they're not the poster child of everything you hate texas is the poster child of everything you hate no i mean we can really dive into the rabbit hole but why do you why are they the poster child okay so hear me out for one quick second (laughs) they haven't been spoon-fed i mean talk about like you talk about your teams like ohio state who shouldn't be in the playoff no and teams like uh texas who i i may be wrong maybe the sec had a leg up on on talent compared to a lot of the rest of the country for all of these generations. Oh, let me tell you. We got talent. The Big Ten had had a lot of talent. We still got talent. The Pac-12 had talent. There ain't nothing like the SEC talent. Okay, now 20 years ago, 20 years ago, was that still the case? I got to count how many years and 20 years ago. No, it was – it is very equal between the SEC and the Big Ten 20 years ago. Okay, okay. Now. But they, those two nah, nah. were far and away. Those two were far and away. No, no, they're not. Because this is this is why. <laughs> the, the, so the ESPN sets up ESPN Network. And they start using their regular ESPN channels as an extra propaganda wing to start boosting people's attentions towards that conference so that they could help justify the ESPN network. So they're overinflating the value of that league and how great they are and blah, 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 blah. All the while they have four non-conference games when leagues like the big 12 are moving to three that made their teams have more wins and then they prop them up in their ratings and stuff like that because, well, they have more wins and all of this great stuff year over year over year. They're winning this psychological battle to where now you're to the point where yes, they are getting more talent. Thank you, ESPN. I don't think that in, the flag, in Alabama think, in Alabama was the flag bearer that helped make I the myth a reality because they were great. I think they all. have the recruiting. I think they have the recruiting hotbed in Florida and Georgia. But, also, 
I mean, the fact that any five stars got out of Texas and went to an SEC school is not is not that the SEC school like just swayed them more without Texas waving a big duffel bag in their face. I mean, they went there because those schools were just better than Texas. They were better than Texas A&M. They were better than Oklahoma at the time. But I think I think that here, this is me thinking a lot without knowing. I think that a lot of it was this ESPN-driven psychology telling these kids that are 12-year-old to 18-year-old impressionable age, well, I'm I'm done doing my my practice for the day. Let's flip on the TV. I'm going to have Sports Center on. And they're going to tout about how great ES, the SEC was. And remember, well, they got to get the views, dude. I'm talking it's about, all about 20, money. I'm talking about 20 years ago. Oh, I know. But it, listen, so you start indoctrinating them into thinking this and thinking who was the main competition for ESPN? Fox. And what did the what did Fox have? Oh, shit. Well, Fo- Fox was Big Ten mostly, weren't they? They were Big Ten and Pac Pac Ten. Well, yeah, Pac Ten. Whatever they were, they were Big Ten, Pac Ten. I'm not going to count Pac Ten except for USC because USC was different. It was Big Ten. Yeah, they, it was Big Ten. If you're going to talk about volume, they had to make sure that they got better players on their TV than in the Big Ten. Because they needed it, these games were on at the same time. And they had to make sure that our that people were watching ESPN and not Fox. Yeah. So this is not just about ESPN trying to prop up the SEC. Of course they were. They needed a better product than Fox. Right. They don't want to. I mean, ESPN had the Big Ten West for a little bit, called the SEC East. The SEC East was Florida and a lot of trash. Florida, <laughs> Florida, Georgia, sometimes Tennessee, and a bunch of trash. South Carolina, apart from two years when they had Jadavion Clowney, was ass. Mm-hmm. Vanderbilt was ass for every year except for when James Franklin was there. Kentucky was Terrible. <laughs> who I don't even know who else is over there. Yeah, but see now, look, look at that league. Look oh, at that then league they got now. Mizzou. I mean, fucking Mizzou, dude. Yeah, right out of the sh- that that division was so bad that Missouri was contending for division. Missouri was contending. Missouri went to the SEC championship. <laughs> With the, with, and I'm not saying anything about his character, but Michael Sam was not a good NFL prospect, and they, and he was leading their I team. I forgot. He was leading their team, and I don't have anything against his character. He's a great guy, but like he was not a good football player, and he won the Defensive Player of the Year in that conference. Yeah, because of what he was doing, the SEC East teams. So you're agreeing with me that uh, ESP, ESPN indoctrinated our youth into sending all of our best talent to the SEC? Uh-huh. Yeah, of course they were. That's what they want. Because they were looking at they were looking at the Big Twelve like, okay, the Big Twelve is what it is. <clears throat> they're over at Fox though, but we got some of their games. But they're over at Fox, and 
they were like, we need good inventory. And they have the ACC, and they're like, okay, this is Florida State, Clemson, and any and Miami, and a bunch of teams that maybe they'll show up this year. We got to prop up the SEC to make sure that we have damn good games on it every time slot. <laughs> I mean, if you're not in business to make money, why the fuck are you in business? I'm not blaming them. I just it it pisses me off. That... You think you're you're blaming them that they ruined the sport that you love. Well, they're going to do whatever they need to to make money. I'm just I, I I think I'm mostly mad at the collective fan bases and. I, I don't know the, <laughs> the athletic directors and staffings of all of these other leagues that have just watched this happen because now look at where we're at compared to the big 10 and the sec. And maybe that was going to happen regardless. Like I'm, I'm not a fan of many social programs apart from public school systems, but there's something about, trying to bring these division one football programs under one TV contract that I think would be the best for the sport. I mean, and that's not, because I'm a, that's like, not because I'm a jealous Iowa state fan. This, this, and this is getting into a whole nother conversation. This, here's the reality though, that I'll agree with you. This sport is more fucked than it's ever been. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you can, the fact that like we have all these transfers, NIL, which is a fucking disaster. Like, these TV contracts are so skewed. I mean, you're talking about, I mean, yeah. I think the Big 12 has a good one, but you're looking at the SEC, who are probably going to make $120 million a year, opposed to uh, the Pac 12, that's probably going to make like 20 or 25. When USC and UCLA leaves, and God forbid that Oregon and Washington leave, or those schools are toast. Yeah, and, absolute and, toast. And, and you're telling me that they're supposed to be on the same playing field as as the SEC or the Big Ten? That's just who is the the uh, uh, the Pac-12 champion? No, no, no. I mean, they're they're yeah. That, that's that's the worry is that they're gonna rip this thing apart and then it'll devalue everything oh. yeah well <laughs> now you're getting me fired up i'll keep way. diving in it further but i i didn't know how far you wanted to go down this rabbit hole <sighs> if you really wanted to get wild with it Let's let's hear because okay, real, real, this, real this is a lot for a December, late December podcast. I know, but go I was, for it, go for it. Come on. Okay, so let's just take think for a second. If we could, if we could figure out how we can pay our players on the revenue generating sports, right. And what's the value of a scholarship for an out-of-state student, like at Iowa State, thirty thousand a year, give or take? Twenty. It's twenty-five. It's twenty-five. Right. I, so you're telling me, that. you're telling me that a football player who's a part of 
a part of 80 to 90% contribution towards our TV revenues that the Big 12 is going to get is worth a twenty to thirty thousand dollar free tuition. I mean, you get Scott, you get tutors and all this great stuff. Mm-hmm. That there's cost tied to that it, beyond oh, yeah. the tuition. Right, I get that, but the value of the tuition, and my understanding is that the athletic department pays the university face value on those tuitions to the university. They paid the out of state. I I believe so. I think I think I think the athletic department pays the university face value of that's uh, that student's enrollment. And when you know damned well that the university, all they had to do was bring in one more uh, student assistant or whatever they're called to grade those papers and actually do the class and. You're telling me that the five extra football players that signed up for this one particular course at the same time slot made a dent in what it costs to set up that lecture hall for a hundred people. No, the university should be thanking the athletic department for bringing that football program and the men's basketball and and at Iowa state, the women's basketball and wrestling programs to be a part of the students experience and bringing in all these other 30,000 enrollees and say, you know what? That's free of charge. <laughs> That's free of charge. You are so, opening up a rabbit hole right here. And, and so, so, but this is where we get into. So since the university is now giving the athletic department free tuition to its athletes, all the athletes, free tuition. Sure. So now the athletic department, without sacrificing these beautiful facilities that we don't need and all of this mm-hmm. other stuff, can afford to still maintain scholarships and funding for the non-revenue generating sports, whilst also paying our revenue generating athletes at least the value of their tuition. You're never going to get that. You're never going to get that compliance, though. Yeah, because the universities evidently are flat broke. I mean, just look (laughs) at the dollars they bring in. Holy fuck! You think about an athletic department having money. Good (laughs) lord, you really, you really need those tuition dollars, Wendy. (laughs) And here we're crying about Title Nine. Oh man. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I, that solves I the problem. Get, I need to get my thoughts together because I'm <laughs> school administrators, and I'm not even talking about just Iowa State. Just school administrators in general are just crooks. But, but that does that not solve the problem? Oh, because, it totally solves the problem. Because I mean, what's what everybody's staring down the barrel of right now is let's pay the football players 50 grand a piece and let's ax all the other sports. And so here's the solution. The university, (laughs) the university just needs to give up the tuition. Good Lord. Everybody's having a good time now. At least give it up at cost. I mean, come on. 
No, just raise tuition on the general public. I mean, I know this. Like, Done. For me, for me, I would have come to Iowa State because it was a really good opportunity, whether we had the, the yeah. athletics or not. Because I didn't even know we had good athletics until I came. Well, good, I mean, Division One athletics until I came here. Like, I thought we were like a NAIA school. Yeah. And I was just whatever. Well, but, it's, it's relative, though. It's relative, though. I mean, you think of how many born and raised – or born and bred Iowa State fans just went to went here for a business degree or something when they could have gone anywhere. I mean, you well, I mean, it's like Iowa. You see this a lot with Iowa. You see it a lot with Michigan State. You see a lot with, you know, the run-of-the-mill Power 5 school in your state. Yeah. A lot of the kids go there because of the damn football team that they grew up rooting for. Right. And they're like, I'm going to go there. Because I rooted for that team, I like when I was when I was in high school. There's a day that Illinois was like announcing like who all got in, and every like there was like a club of kids. It was almost like a clique, but there was like fifty kids that all of them in my high school were applying to go to Illinois, and they were all going to go together and it was going to be great. And oh my gosh, it was going to be great. There was seriously like 30 to 50 kids in that click. I was not in that click. I, you couldn't catch me dead at Illinois, <laughs> but I, <laughs> they were all like happy. And the day it came out, they like did like a whatever, however many way phone call of like, Hey, did you get in? Let's all open it together. Now only like 25 of the 30 kids got it. <laughs> Yeah. So those other five were like, oh, shit. Yeah, now this is embarrassing. And then they went to SEC schools. But, <laughs> and that's not even a joke. They went to SEC schools. But yeah, that, uh, ESPN told them to. Yeah, because ESPN told them to. Some of, a couple of them went to South Carolina. I think another one went to Kentucky. <laughs> and, uh, um, so they all, all these kids got in Illinois. They all went to Illinois. And the only reason they went to Illinois is because we're from Illinois. Mm-hmm. It's the only reason. They have no connection to Illinois other than it's a good school and it's an in-state school. Yeah. It's the same way at it's the same way in Indiana. You're either gonna go to Indiana or Purdue and hopefully try to get in Notre Dame if you can. Wisconsin's a little different because that school's insanely expensive and ex- and pretty dang hard to get into. Michigan's a little difficult too, but a lot of those kids go to Michigan State. So like, yeah, yeah. we need to be looking at our football program, not as our sports program, but our marketing program or our marketing department. Yeah, I'm I'm just thinking we we whispered about the uh, offensive line needing fixed and look what happened a few months later. If I just whisper once in a while about how the university should grant free tuition to uh, all of our scholarship athletes. Mm-hmm. Now, look at what we just did. We just paid all of our – we paid all the players we wanted to pay. Yeah. Yeah. Problem solved. And I know, that, I know that you can't get the money that way, but, I mean, like, I don't know how this all works. No, it's eventually going to be pay for play. It's No, within five years, there's going to be some school – I've said this a couple of times. There's going to be some school. It's going to be like Notre Dame. Or another school like that, that is a power, but they're not the top of the top. 
Mm-hmm. They're not top of the heap. They're going to get screwed over. And they're going to rat everybody out. Yep. There's going to be there's going to be a report of some kid getting under the table benefits for NIL that somebody really wanted and whatever. And they're going to say, yeah, we uh, like this is not cool anymore. Can we just pay the players whatever, give them a salary and they come here and then we can trade them or cut them. That's what's going to happen in the next five years. Yep. And then it, because, won't, be much, yeah. it won't be much longer than we won't tie uh, academics to it anymore. And next thing you know, you won't have to hear about guys going to community college in San Francisco mm-hmm. living and in the garage. Yeah. The other problem is that we're going to have a kid who – this is the, the other thing. We're going to have college kids. And this, this – I. This is a little bit more difficult for me to see, but I could see it happening. You're going to have kids at like Texas A&M or Miami or whatever, one of those schools that really embraces NIL. Mm-hmm. Some kids going to go out and with their – they're going to go out. They're going to get paid like half a million dollars by the school. They're going to get a promise – of half a million dollars a year or maybe more, maybe a million dollars. And then they're going to go to a real estate agent because they're going to be like, I don't want to live in no fucking dorm. And they're going to get, you know, a real estate agent. That real estate agent is going to qualify them for a loan. They're going to go out and buy like a million and a half dollar house because they qualify it and they have the money to put down. And then they're going to buy that house they're not going to play well because it's going to mess with their mind and they're going to end up bankrupt because and th- like the, the 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 boosters just won't pay them we've seen that at Texas Tech we've seen that at other places that these the checks aren't the checks aren't cashing in time the boosters aren't paying up when they said that they were because the guys is not playing or whatever the boosters yeah, aren't paying them. There. There's a little bit more. But also, I think that these guys are going to get audited by the IRS. Sure. Well, and- I think that's going to happen. And some kid, eventually, after all of this, is going to happen a lot. Some kid is going to get audited by the IRS. They're going to see tax evasion. He's not even going to know what that is. And now he's that gonna get I thrown can in jail. See happening because yeah, can, there's a lot of taxes that you have to pay when you've got no write-offs. Yeah, you, you I, I, I'm not so worried about any of that because college kids work jobs all the time. Now, well, the only thing that's different is that you're 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 self-employed, and so you, mm-hmm. it's because they're gonna see a deposit of two hundred fifty thousand dollars into your bank. They're gonna go, "Did you pay taxes on that? Where'd that come from?" And the kid's going to go, well, the booster gave it to me. And I'm not saying that, like, this is likely to happen because I think that this is a very outlier, crazy case. But if this does happen to one kid, it's going to change the entire landscape of NIL. It's not going to happen again. And I think that we are going to go to player salaries. That's what I think is going to happen. Because one kid is going to end up getting five years in prison. Because of tax evasion that he doesn't even know what it is. 
yeah i, I could i could see that it, it and it makes it makes sense for it to just move that way i mean quit playing the game let's quit playing around there's too much but, money <laughs> these aren't nonprofits that we're talking about with with uh athlete with students before athletes i mean you take caden proctor down to alabama and you you bring that guy around town there most of the people most people would be like oh that's probably a football player just because of how big he is most people won't know who he is and that like you could i'm not saying that this is what he got but i'm sure that there was offers for him to get a million dollars a year i hope it was yeah he ain't worth a million dollars a year. His name, image, and likeness? His play, probably. His name, image, and likeness? No. Nobody knows who he is. No, Your dad doesn't know who he is. Mm-hmm. Not worth a million dollars in name, image, and likeness. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is so- yeah, no, I, I, I know what you're saying. What a mess. What an absolute mess. I could talk about this all day long i think nil is the dearth of this sport i I think we've got the rest of winter to discuss all that anyway you ready to wrap it up (laughs) yeah 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 i was wondering how far down the hole we were gonna go all right (laughs) well i'm excited for our offensive line coach i think he's gonna work wonders and you know what we don't need big time nil guys with him he took farm kids and turned them into first rounders I know I know this. With Clanton taking care of the line, Shieldhouse, you better get under center. <laughs> get, under center. <laughs> get under center. Well, here's the thing. That's gonna happen. You wanna know why? Because people football guys know football. And I can't tell you how many of those guys probably were thinking. What the fuck are we doing out here? <laughs> are we are we going to be taken seriously or not? Anyway, that's our episode. There we go. Go, go Cyclones. Go fighting Clintons. Yep. See ya. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.